mindset, performance, science, transforming communication, perspective, and boundaries. Welcome to the Redefining Success Show with Aaron Jewell. And now, here's your host, Aaron Jewell. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Erin Jewell Show. It is awesome to have you all back. We are so grateful for those of you who have been following us from the beginning. And if you're here for the first time, welcome. And if you're coming back again, welcome. I am just so excited about our interviewee today. Jen Boone happens to be a very special human who I had the pleasure of meeting during one of the leadership courses that I teach at Villanova. And she's just one of these people where her story is so powerful and it's so impressive. But when you talk with her and you have an exchange with her, she's not really, there's a humility in how she shares her story and you kind of have to wait around to find out more. And so I had to grab the opportunity to meet with Jen today, to have her share her story, because as we know, this platform is about women supporting women. And no, we do not have to support each other as women. We get to, and you know, we're going to dive into that a little bit today. So just to share, Jennifer is the senior director of operations for the vascular interventions division of getting up, having the background in healthcare myself, global medical technology company that focuses on healthcare and life sciences. Here's the thing. Prior to joining Gettinga in 2008, Jen served in a United States Marine Corps officer for 10 years. She's a graduate of the United States Naval Academy and served both domestically and abroad during her service. And I want to share this. I don't always read through the bio, but I really wanted to do this today because there's so much to capture here. And I do hope Jen goes into this a little more. Following 9-11, she developed and managed combat casualty reporting operations for the first Marine Corps unit involved in Operation Iraqi Freedom. Sounds like an incredibly powerful and challenging and also I'm sure traumatic in some ways experience. She's a combat veteran who has also supported joint and combined operations in the Middle East during Operation Enduring Freedom. So without further do thank you for your service jen thank you for being here and i really look forward to hearing so much more of your story as all of us do and we're going to start with that so to kick it off jen just tell us a little bit more about your story okay well first of all thank you for having me on the show erin i appreciate it and as you mentioned it was a pleasure to meet you as i was pursuing my leadership education and i had the privilege of being in one of your classes so i was really excited when you reached out to me and invited me on the show so thanks so much Oh my gosh, of course. It's a pleasure. So you hit the highlights in the scripted resume there, I suppose. But yes, I currently do work in the medical device community. I've been doing that for about 13 years now. And in operations, I'm responsible for things that range from procurement to manufacturing to customer service. And I really was kind of lucky because I've actually been with the same organization that entire 13 years. And I've gone through acquisitions, gone through transfers, gone through facility moves. I've worked in multiple facilities myself, and I've really just seized every opportunity that has been offered to me. And, you know, I started at the ground level. I was an entry-level manufacturing supervisor on the manufacturing floor, and I just moved on from that. And it's just been a fantastic experience. That was my foray into the civilian world. So as you mentioned, I did spend a significant amount of time in the military. The United States Marine Corps was my university of choice when I was exploring and Who can really say that the age of 18 years old, do you really know what you want to be when you grow up? 
the academy was incredibly attractive to me because it was a very regimented lifestyle in ways it aligned with my childhood upbringing somewhat. Lived in a very regimented household, parents that were very dedicated to ensuring that I applied my strengths appropriately as I was growing up. And the academy was really an ideal place for me to be. And luckily, it worked out very well for me. I had a fantastic experience there. Now, of course, the joke is it's a great place to be from, not a great place to be because it is a very challenging leadership environment, but it's one that I thrived in. And then I was delighted to have the opportunity to be commissioned as a Marine Corps officer then. And what a career, what an experience. I always said that by the age of 30, I had lived a life that most people could only dream about living. And when I was commissioned, I was commissioned into a peacetime military and I watched 9-11 unfold while I was on active duty. And immediately things started to change in my life. At the time I was married, very shortly thereafter, my spouse was deployed. He actually did two deployments to Iraq. I also deployed. And also throughout that time period, you know, I gave birth to my daughter. So a lot of chaotic things that were happening all within a few years, but it was a time I wouldn't trade for the world. The experiences I had, I grew, I failed, I learned a lot about life in general. And I think part of it was the subject matter. I did have the privilege of working with our wounded soldiers, sailors, and Marines. I spent time at Bethesda Naval Hospital visiting those wounded service members. And it's a very humbling experience. I learned a lot from them. And at this time, I'm talking about learning things in my early 20s. I was still very young myself being exposed to all these things. And I really do think it shaped the leader that I am today. And it sounds odd that I spent so much time in the military. Now I'm in medical device, but it really was a rather seamless transition. When you look at the military It was a very regimented type of organization. Well, those of us in medical device do know it's a rather regimented type of industry to be in. There are a lot of rules. There are a lot of regulations. We must follow them or we're not able to sell product. And the great thing was the leadership skills translated as well. But I had to adjust for a different audience. So it was a challenge from a leadership perspective, but a very, very exciting transition I was able to make. I love my job. I love going to work every day now. And when I'm not doing that, you know, I have a beautiful 15-year-old daughter who really keeps me grounded. She keeps me true to myself. And the neat thing is, as she's growing older, she reminds me that I am a role model. In particular, I'm a role model for young females. And she once told me, she said, mom, if we don't see you do it, how are we going to know that we can do it? And so it's very powerful. And I keep, I keep that in mind a lot. She really keeps me grounded. That my role as mom is a, is a wonderful role as well. Jen, thank you so much for sharing that. That is so powerful. And if we don't see you do it, how are we going to know how to do it? You know, we talk about leadership and we talk about how leadership goes through the organization like electricity through wires, right? And this is exactly what that is about. We have got to show up. And, you know, we talk about this in the leadership class, like 
not all leaders are role models. Tell me a little bit more about that. Maybe speak to, Jen, was there a time where maybe you reported into a leader who you didn't necessarily see as a role model and maybe that inspired you to take on more of that role yourself or kind of talk to me a little bit more about what inspired you other than your daughter, because obviously that's a big part of it, but maybe from a work perspective and and did you come across some people where you're like, I'm going to do things different? (laughs) Well, I think all leaders would like to think that they're role models, but I think we all know that that's not true. I certainly believe that that's not true because we've all worked for leaders and we've all worked for managers. And we know that the the two are just not synonymous. They're two very different worlds. I've struggled that in organizations, a lot of times people are placed in managerial roles and then the organization forgets to help them develop. As a leader, we often reward outstanding individual performance by promoting somebody to manager. And it's probably one of the most detrimental things we do, because in my opinion, we need to stop for a minute and say, wow, this person did a fantastic job. But before we promote them to manager, we should probably check in with them and see if they truly do want to be a manager, because there are a lot of people in this world that are very excited to contribute to the organization as a senior individual contributor. And that is where they belong. And we need to listen to them when they tell us that. And then we also need to look if that person possesses the skill set or maybe the ability to develop the skill set to be a leader. And I like to see someone exhibit those leadership characteristics before we go ahead and move them into a formal leadership position. And I have been in situations where a leader has been placed in that role, in a managerial type role, where someone forgot to teach that person how to be a leader, forgot to maybe exploit some of the characteristics that leaders normally have that they thought they saw in that individual. And this leader often will revert back to their life before they became a manager and they dig in and they end up being a micromanager perhaps. And well, let's face it, if you have a manager like that, it just makes your life pretty darn miserable and you become frustrated and you don't really even want to be in your role then because you feel like you're at odds with this person all of the time. And a lot of times then we end up managing up And we invest a lot of time in managing up. And that can be very exhausting. So, oh, what a challenge. But when you do get those leaders that are true models, role models, they live their values. And sometimes they fall down. Okay. And we see them fall down. And we're so surprised because these are supposed to be these infallible leaders. But when they do fall, because they do live their life authentically and they live their values, they're always true to their self. And we see that they often can pick themselves up and uh, brush that dirt off and they can continue forward. And I was very fortunate in my career, actually, the one leader that I worked for, who was my direct manager, uh, was a female. And I've only ever had one female manager in my career. It's kind of sad, you know, that, that over the course of a career, I could say there was one, but she was magnificent and she was a standout. And oddly enough, she was my manager when I was in the Marine Corps. And I say oddly enough, because you don't often see 
or at least the time when I, at the time when I was a Marine, you didn't see a lot of senior female leaders. And she was there. She thrived. She was a role model. And she was just true to herself. She established trust with everybody that she worked with. And what I probably didn't appreciate at that time in my life is she had been through an awful lot of what I was going through and what I was going to go through. And she served as a mentor because she knew what was coming my way. She was my manager when I gave birth to my daughter. So I gave birth to my daughter while a war was going on, while I was on active duty in the Marine Corps, while my spouse was deployed. And it was a really challenging time. But here was this leader, this outstanding woman who actually had me beat because she did that three times. She had three beautiful children. She knew where I was. She knew how I needed to be supported. And I think at the time I took it for granted But now as a senior female leader myself, I can reflect on it and I can say, I need to be the leader that she was. And that's been a very eye-opening experience for me because as you you mentioned, as we started out, females working with females, it doesn't always work out really well. We find that we're at odds with one another, and sometimes we can't put our finger on why. And that makes it even more challenging. So here I had this senior leader, boy, I need to take a page out of her book, and I need to apply it with the people that I lead right now. And in particular, I need to apply those lessons with the young women within the organization that I have the privilege to lead because maybe what was a challenge for me as I was coming up through my career, well, maybe I can ease some of those challenges for those young ladies that are growing up. And that's really what our responsibility is as female leaders. Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Jen, thank you so much for that. And you know, you, you, so you touched on a few things. So first of all, you had overall a very positive experience with a female leader early in your career, which then influenced your behavior as a female leader later on in your career. And if you think about it and you tell me, do you find that positive experience you had with this female leader was somehow just a little bit different than maybe some of the positive experiences you had with male leaders along the way? Is that something that you can say, like, it just kind of had a little bit of a different twist to it, right? It did have a little bit more of a different twist to it because a lot of the strong male leaders that I found I've worked with, maybe I admired them for their technical expertise, for that core leadership skill that they exhibited, which is what the female leader in, in, my, in my career had also shown me as well. But she connected with me in a way that was so different than the male leaders, simply because she'd been there and she'd done that, right? She knew how hard it was to get up, to come to work each day and know that she was going to go home and she had children to support. Not that our male leaders don't do that as well, but she had that mother role and we could talk about those things. So she brought her whole self to work and her whole self really connected with my whole self because we couldn't hide these things, right? And a lot of times people think you come to work and it's all work. It's all business. 
But if we don't bring our whole self to work, man, I think we're really, we're really missing out on things and we're really missing out on an opportunity to connect with the people that we work with, to connect with the people that we lead. And it's a learning experience for everybody. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just one of the reasons we're talking about this is because not everybody, not every woman at this point has been blessed with having this positive female leadership experience early on in their career. And a lot of the influence is coming from male leaders. And so over time, what can and does happen, individuals who identify as female tend to overdevelop what we call the young side of leadership or the more masculine traits of leadership. So initiation, activation, things like that. And they end up with a very underdeveloped uh, sort of feminine side of leadership, which includes engagement, presence, active listening. And over time, they actually hit their own personal ceilings quicker as female leaders because they, they're not able to reach their potential because they're not tapping into all of their gifts. So it's really important to call attention to this because you had this really positive experience with this female leader. And I'm going to ask you this. What are the three takeaways that you have from that leadership experience that have influenced how you show up as a leader today? Just give me three. I'm well, sure there's more. Yep. Well, the, the one thing we already talked about is you have to bring your whole self to work. Okay. And that whole self is being a dad, being a mom being a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, that is so important. And, and that, that's important for, for our female and um, male leaders. Absolutely. The other thing is be authentic, be your true self, and don't be afraid to show that at work. Don't be worried if people think that's soft or you're not hard enough to do it. Oh, how could you possibly show that? No, show up who you are, because everyone can smell a fake. Okay. It's, it's, it's really, really sticks out. So you have to be really true to yourself. And the other thing that you have to do is you have to make that connection and you need to form that trust with whether it be a coworker, whether it be with someone that you have the privilege to lead, because that trust is integral in order to develop a safe environment an environment in which people are invited to speak up and to share their ideas. And that just leads to success in many different ways. Success for the team. It leads to innovation. It leads to a healthier work environment. So I think that trust is critical too. Absolutely. And I mean, it sounds like based on what you're saying, in order to get to that point of trust, it's building rapport. And in order to build rapport, you've got to have relatability. And in order to be relatable, you show up authentically, you show up as you are, you show up as that mother, father, sister, brother. And I couldn't agree more. And, and research talks about this. You know, Harvard Business Review has several articles supporting this idea of how building trust and building rapport leads to more positive outcomes in the workplace. So let me ask you this. So you have this amazing positive leadership experience. You are a female service member. You served in the Marine Corps, which has its own having a father who's a retired colonel in the U.S. Army. I had a choice in college. I had a choice. I could either join the Air Force ROTC program or go to Spain for the semester. I had lived in Spain when I was a kid. I ended up picking it again in college. But the reason, and this is just my dad, you know, it was like, you're Air Force. That's the only choice you have, right? And it's like, there's this idea that it's like easier for, you know, who knows, right? But your journey, you've been through some, in some places where it's not, you're not the majority, 
Okay. So tell me a little bit about that. When, when did you face a challenge, perhaps even side by side with another woman, whether it was in the service or even during your career in medical devices, where you faced a challenge interacting, working with that woman, because we all have those situations. And what did you do? How did you move through it? I'd be lying if I didn't tell you there were the challenges and the challenges based solely upon being a woman. And they were the small things too. And a lot of times the small things build up. But for example, when I was deployed in the Middle East, there were concerns as to whether I could go out in public because I was a woman, I was a small person, I'm relatively short in stature, and I did not have dark hair. In fact, at that time, my hair was probably a lot lighter. Some of my counterparts were really concerned about how a female Marine, although in uniform and armed at that point, would be perceived by people in the public. Well, I had a job to do. There was no doubt about it. So I was going to go and do that job. And quite honestly, what a challenge. I was approaching one of the embassies that we were doing work with in Kuwait City when I was deployed uh, on that deployment. And outside of the embassy, there were a bunch of gentlemen, native gentlemen that had congregated. And it was very clear they spotted me from a mile away. And as we approached and I was with my fellow Marines, there was a group of about six of us. The crowd started to come towards me, right? They wanted to touch my hair. So imagine being in, in a place where peace was not something that was prevalent. And I have my fellow male Marines with me and all these men are trying to touch. They, they wanted to touch me essentially is what it was. And in the moment, Okay, I caused a problem in the situation simply because I was a female. Now, I work with very professional Marines. The situation was very quickly handled, but I carried some guilt with me because of that. I caused a problem, not because I did something wrong, simply because I was who I was and I couldn't change that. So that was a situation we had we had to deal with. My fellow Marines didn't hold it against me. I, I never heard another word about it again, but I carried that with me. And in the Marine Corps, I had a lot of experiences when I was the only woman in the world, but quite or in the room. But quite honestly, I have that same experience now in medical device, particularly in operations. When I get together with my global counterparts, chances are, and it has been in the past, that I'm the only woman in the room. And when you say you almost have to exhibit some of those masculine traits, you almost feel like you have to do it because you have to fit in. You need to speak a certain way. You need to use a certain language. And there is the challenge for us as female leaders, because yes, you certainly do want to feel fit in. But again, let's go back to being our true authentic self and bringing, our, bringing who we are to the table. And I need to remind myself of this. And I do it. But the positive thing coming out of this is when I'm in a situation where there's young female leaders in the room with me, they don't shy away. I don't see it that they shy away from expressing who they are or maybe sharing their challenges of the day. Gone are the days compared to when I was a young mother, a young leader, where needing to go, needing to leave work in order to take care of your child 
boy, was that frowned upon because a man wouldn't have to do that. And I know I'm overgeneralizing in that situation. We have plenty of dads that do good things, right? But I felt like I was judged. And I think a lot of, of women in, my, in that same position would say the same thing. And this is where I am just amazed. And I think it's so wonderful that can pe- people, young women can feel comfortable now saying, I need to leave. And you know what? I can play a role in that. I've been in situations, of course, we know the crisis at the end of the workday always happens at 445 when everyone's getting ready to leave. But no, we have to stay. We need to take care of this situation. And every time I sit in the room and I look around that room and I don't direct the question to our female leaders or or the female employees in the room, but I say in general, it's nearing five o'clock. Does anyone need to leave and take care of something right now? Does someone need to pick up their children? Does someone need to take care of something with their family that they had planned on doing? And this is really throwing a wrench in the works. And I can't tell you the weird looks I get back when I ask that question, almost like, what's this lady asking about? But if I don't offer that opportunity and realize there are other things that go on in people's lives, then who else is going to do it? And we need to teach people that that's okay, because there is life outside of work. And I don't think necessarily early in my career, I enjoyed that freedom, or I enjoyed being able to say, I have to go do something else. And so that's where I think we can really make a difference and help help our junior leaders realize those kinds of things. And then we can see them roll that on to the people that work for them. Oh my goodness, Jen, that is so powerful. You know, this is where I want to have us, you know, as we're running out of time here, wind things down because that right there, what you just shared, the fact that you stand there at 445 and you hold space like that, you hold space. This is one of the reasons I reached out to you. You are truly a role model. And as, as we both agree, and as I'm sure the listeners agree to, not every leader is a role model. You want to be a role model? This is the kind of stuff you do. And what you do is you pay it forward. You take the positive experiences, as Jen has, as you've been sharing today, Jen, that you took from a leader that you had earlier on in your career, and you're sharing that with others. You see that you have a responsibility here, not only to women, but to the human race, right? Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, Women do get to support women. Women do not have to support women. They get to support women. This only really is going to work if women learn how to do this for each other. And men are there ready to be supportive of the whole thing. They're ready to be supportive of women, supporting women and supporting women in higher positions. But none of that is really going to happen until we women learn how to support each other more formally and more genuinely and more actively, more proactively. You know, and you said, listen, it transferred over into your current experience in medical devices that you find yourself in these operations meetings a lot of the times with primarily men. What's interesting about what's happening right now is there's such an influx of women into higher and more leadership positions in the workplace that women are having some challenges on what to do and how to handle in that space. I see that all moving. I see that being transient, us moving through that, but it is going to take these types of candid conversations in order for us to get there. And finally, the only other thing I'll say based on what you said is women are still acting like men 
in leadership roles. And it's just got to change because like, listen, we don't need to smoke cigars. And, and listen, if you like smoking cigars, that's cool too. Like whatever, like as a, as a female leader, but you know what I mean? Like we're actually doing ourselves such a disservice by overdeveloping that masculine side of the leadership and not focusing it all on the feminine. But we haven't had too many examples of female leaders to really emulate that. So we need more people like you, Jen, in the leadership role that you're in. We need to like clone you and all the all the women that I, I get to have on the show around the globe to continue to show everybody else what to do because you're doing the right thing. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all of the amazing work that you do. Thank you for showing up so powerfully as a female leader, as a human, as a mother, as a woman, as you know, just the work that you're doing is bringing humanity closer and closer every day. So with that, I'm going to say thank you. We'll wrap up tonight's show. I really appreciate you, Jen. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me on, Erin. It was a great experience. Awesome. All right, everyone. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, visit ErinJewelConsulting.com. 